myself all organized here like some of you. I have water and Kleenexes and cough drops, so we'll get organized. Erica says, somehow, the computer always knows when Glenn is gone. <laughs> She's like, it just knows. It worked. It's like when you get out your Christmas lights and you know when you put them away last year, they all worked, and when you get them out this year, they don't work. She said, everything was working on Friday, and today, nope, not working. So, it's just life. All righty, so good morning. Welcome. Glad to see you all here. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Got to eat some of your favorite foods, spend some time with some of your favorite people. And um, we're able to give some thanks this week for all that we have been blessed with. Um, has been, as it has been said, today's the first Sunday of Advent. So for um, the church, this is like Happy New Year. First day of the new year. Uh, last Sunday, you celebrated all that God had done in the last year in the life of our church and members. And I was watched the service online and I really enjoyed the expressions of thankfulness that people shared. And um, the slideshow is always a highlight. Erica, you did an excellent job. I don't know what we do without her and her technology and all of that. Um, I don't know that I agree with Nadine so much about the cat thankfulness, but <laughs> I am not a cat person. So. Um, so now we're beginning a new church year, a new season of Advent. Um, Advent is a season of preparation where we... In, um, anticipate the celebration of the birth of Jesus, just as they did thousands of years ago when they were waiting in anticipation for the arrival of the upcoming Messiah. And it's also a time to be reminded that we need to prepare for the second arrival of Jesus as the triumphant king. As Larry said, our Advent theme this year is Restoration is Near. So now we're going to see if this thing works. Okay. Restoration is near. That's our theme for Advent this year. And during this Advent season, we'll explore how restoration can be achieved. We will be reminded that God is our restorer, as it said in Psalm 80. And as we said earlier, restore us, O God, let your face shine that we might be saved. So we know about restoration. There's all kinds of restoration People restore their vehicles. You can restore and refinish furniture, buildings. For a while, I'm not sure if she still does Anna Margaret Borntrager's job. She's an architect, and she specializes in building architectural restoration, building restoration. And then for some of you, I said, we have to have some tractors. So um, we have a little before and after. So they can be restored. Our bodies can be restored when they heal after surgery or illness. I'm sure that's what Floyd is praying for when he gets that new knee, that he can walk better and his mobility will be restored. When communities, churches, and schools resolve conflict, there is restoration. Relationships between people and between us and God can be restored. Jesus was restored in his resurrection. The passage from Isaiah that Jillian read speaks about restoration. It says that the nations will stream to the mountain of the Lord's temple where the God of Jacob will teach his ways 
so that people will walk in his paths. The Lord will judge between the nations and will settle disputes so that peace can be restored. Uh, the most well-known verse from that passage is, they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. And that passage is found on the Isaiah wall, which is across the street from the United Nations building. That was one of the goals of the United Nations when it was formed was after World War II to restore peace so that there would not be another world war. That was also the inspiration for that statue. That statue's called Let Us Beat Our Swords Into Plowshares. I think interestingly enough, it was presented to the United Nations in 1959 by Russia. Kind of an interesting, maybe their leaders now need to take a look at that statue. So during Advent, we move from darkness to light. The shortest day of the year occurs during Advent, after which then our days gradually get longer and we have more light. The birth of Jesus brought God's light into the world and we see more clearly in the light and the truth of God's word is illuminated by the light. Isaiah 2.5 urges the house of Jacob and us to walk in the light of the Lord. It's easy to get caught up in the busyness of the Christmas season. So we need to find some ways to keep our focus on the purpose of Advent. So let's have a look at a few suggestions of what we can do. One thing you can do is you can have an Advent wreath at your house, just like we have here. You light one candle, you might find an Advent devotional and read it while you are have your candle lit. You too can do a restoration project. Think of areas in your life or areas in your house that need restoration. The possibilities are endless. You could restore a piece of furniture, tackle your mending pile, sole on all those buttons and repair the rips and tears. Maybe clean up and organize your closet or your car or your basement or your junk drawer or your toy and game cabinet. We, like I said, endless possibilities. You can get back in the routine of daily prayer and devotion time. Reach out to someone you've had conflict with and work to restore that relationship. Support a cause that you believe in by giving of your time or making a donation. You all should have gotten one of these in your mailbox. This is a about the toy drive that Larry was talking about this morning that talks about the needs. There's a tub down there in the basement for you to make your donation. Um, if you have questions, talk to Emily Kaufman. Another way you can do this, MCC has this uh, gift giving guide. Um, it lists animals and other material aid items that you can donate at our MCC banquet. A person from MCC shared what a difference a family, it made in a family who received a goat. They had the goat, then they got another goat. They were able to, then they would sell goats. They could send their kids to school. They could get a better house, all from the gift of a goat. So last year, I talked to my grandchildren, and they have chickens. So they decided 
they were going to, we were going to send chickens. So they said, well, can we give you some of our egg money for chickens? I'm like, yes. So last year we purchased chickens. So this year we are, we are branching out a little. I took the catalog. I went to them and said, okay, what animal do you want to get? So we're doing a goat, we're doing chickens, and we're doing fish. So that it's just a fun way. It's a good thing to do with your kids, your grandkids. Um, great way to get them, to start them thinking about how they can give to people that they are not going to get anything back from. That it, and people who face a lot of challenges that they don't face. You can also read the Gospel of Luke. There are 24 chapters in the book of Luke. So if you start on December 1st, we'll read one chapter every day by the end of the month. By Christmas Eve, you will have read the entire story of Jesus' life and his ministry. Parents, if you have little kids, this journey to the manger, I think, is fun. You put your empty crush, your empty stable somewhere, and only put your animals in. And it's not exactly off on the shelf, but you still move them around. So you put Mary and Joseph someplace, you know, they're over where they started. The wise men are far to the east. And then every day, move Mary and Joseph just a little bit closer to the manger so that they arrive on December 24th. Jesus gets added on Christmas morning. And then the wise men start moving toward the manger to get there on Epiphany, which is January the 6th. So I encourage you to try something different to help you maybe focus a little bit on the re one of the reasons for Advent and kind of keep us from only be thinking about all the things we have to do, all the presents to wrap and buy and decorate and baking and all of that that goes along. So now for the second part of the purpose of Advent, preparing for Jesus's return. Um, in the passage that Jeff read from Matthew, Jesus tells his disciples that no one but God, not even Jesus himself, knows when he returns. He says everyone will be going about their day-to-day -day business just like when Noah was building the ark. They, the people ignored the warnings about coming judgment and they were caught unaware by the flood. In contrast, Noah listened to God, and he and his family were saved because they followed God's instruction. They didn't know when the flood was coming. They had never seen rain, so but they went ahead and built the ark, and they were prepared. Then, as Jesus often did, he told a parable. He talks about the homeowner whose house had been broken into, and he says, if the homeowner would have known when the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and the thief wouldn't have gotten in to rob him. How often have we said, if I would have only known, if I would have only known the police were going to be there, I would have driven the speed limit. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> if I would have known what the diagnosis was going to be, I would have gone to the doctor sooner. If I would have known it was the last time we would speak, I would have said something more. But we don't know. We don't know when Jesus is going to return. And while the Bible mentions signs that indicate that the time may be getting near, no one except God knows when that is going to be. 
We can't just spend our days sitting around watching and waiting for Jesus to return. We have kingdom work we need to be doing. quote that I think is really good. Dallas Willard wrote, the gospel is less about how to get into the kingdom of heaven after you die and more about how to live in the kingdom of heaven before you die. If you're living in the kingdom of heaven, you aren't going to have to worry about it after you die because you will have everything taken care of. So what is this kingdom work he's talking about? Let's look at in Romans chapter 13. The lectionary text was Romans 13, 11 through 14. I'm going to back up a little bit to verse 8 because that's where this section starts. And in my Bible, this section is entitled, Love for the Day is Near. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandments there may be, are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. the church at Rome in verse 9 that all ten commandments can be summed up with this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, love does no harm to its neighbor and is the fulfillment of the law and we should show this love understanding the present time. The present time is now, where every day is taking us closer to the return of Jesus. The church at Rome was living in the present time and we're still living in the present time. Paul tells them and us that it is time to wake up, to quit doing the evil deeds which happen during the dark hours of the night and put on the armor of light. In the message, verses 11 to 14 are paraphrased this way, but make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted and taking care of all your day-to-day -day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off, oblivious to God. The night is over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute. Must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence, in sleeping around in dissipation, in bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed and get dressed. Don't, don't loiter and linger, waiting until the very last moment. Dress yourself in Christ and be up and about. Can we relate to that? Do we ever get so absorbed and exhausted in our day-to-day -day obligations that we doze off? 
oblivious to God? Do we get so busy with the everyday tasks of life and our schedules and our family's activities that we have no time left for God? At the end of the day, are we too tired for devotions, for prayer, for paying attention to the things of God around us? So we need to look at our schedules, schedule in some God time, time to be spent with God and on the things of God. Paul exhorts us to quit wasting our time on things that don't matter, that have no godly significance. The final verse of this section is one that I, it just caught my attention. That's why it's the title of the sermon. It tells us to clothe yourself with Christ. Dress yourself in Christ and be up and about. So, in the midweek and in the Friday message, I put some questions out there. I said to Glenn, do you ever do like participation? audience participation or congregational involvement and he's like well so I said well we're going to give this a try so a lot of you know more than me about what these verses mean about what it means to dress yourself in Christ clothe your clothe yourself in Christ so my first question for you is there you go. When you think about clothing yourself in Christ, do either of those pictures come to your mind? When you think about it, what does it mean to clothe ourselves or dress ourselves with Jesus? Sometimes I do think it, you think it makes you feel safe and warm and snugly. <laughs> Depending on your situation, you may be thinking, I need to put on the full armor of faith. I just, am I on? Yeah. Red. Red? Red. Yeah, I'm red. Yeah. Okay. Oh, never mind. All right. At uh, Bible study, <laughs> we were talking about this, and Rhonda's response was, she said, well, I don't think that when you put on that full armor, when you put on, when you clothe yourself in Christ, she says, I don't think it's anything special. She says, it's not like you're putting on a formal or a tux that you only wear to a wedding or to prom. She says, I think when you clothe yourself in Christ, you're putting on everyday clothes, the kind of clothes that you wear every day. So maybe when you're getting dressed in the morning, even though if you're just putting on jeans and a sweatshirt or whatever your uniform is for work, maybe you can consider those putting on Christ. All right, here's the part where you get to participate. What do you think it means to clothe yourself or dress yourself with Jesus? I'm going to come down and let's look at that. So if you want to share your response or have a thought, maybe just wave your hand and we'll get you a mic so that other people can hear. So what do you think? Any ideas? Bless you, Lord. <laughs> I prepared my Bible study group. I should see I'm like, okay, folks, don't leave me hanging up there. <laughs> okay, I like clothes. And you can, all, you can notice a lot about people by what they're wearing. You can notice their occupation, maybe a soldier, a police officer, um, a doctor, you can recognize them by the clothes they wear. 
uh, you can close can show loyalty. Like you know what sporting team someone is cheering for by the jerseys, the t-shirts that they wear. And I think my farmer husband is a really good example because he has a few caps. Maybe Irvin does too. Yeah. I know. That's what I was, that's what I was gonna say. There's certain ones that he won't put on. And machinery they like, what kind of seed they enjoy. And so I'm thinking for myself when I clothe myself in the morning, the bulletin says I'm a representative of Jesus and of Arthur Mennonite Church. So the Bible commands me to walk in love. So I think when I'm getting dressed in the morning, I need to ask the Holy Spirit to shed God's love abroad in my heart so I can be a good minister and representative of Jesus and show love to people. And then there's a lot of things I won't put on when I have Jesus' love. Well, when you asked the question the other night, I said, well, it kind of depends on the day. You know, what am I going to face? Do I need, you know, can I be more of the soft, comfy, you know, feel good? Or do I need that full armor of God? Because I'm literally going to go into battle and I'm going to need everything that that full armor helps me to have so that I'm protecting my mind and my heart and you know the whole body and so that like Gloria said so that I can make sure that Jesus is shining through me I know that one day I'll be standing before a righteous and fearsome judge and in that moment, uh, I hope that I'm clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Any other thoughts? All righty, then. I guess let's see my next one. Next one, last question. And uh, this has been answered a little bit. What would a person who is dressed like in Christ be like? How would they act? How do we act if we are dressed in Christ? With love. Hey, with love. Hey, we act with love. Oh, humility. I was, oh, somebody, yeah, somebody took that. I was going to say humility. It's an interesting lesson. So, uh, today, humility, that's what I remember. <laughs> that it's okay if it doesn't work right. That's not why we're here. So, yeah, poor Eric says she goes back and forth and try this and try that. Go get the thumb drive and it's still not going to work. And she was going to be typing some of our responses, which made me think of, you know, God writing on the wall for Nebuchadnezzar. That's almost what it appeared like. So, yeah, I think when we are clothed in Christ, we exhibit the fruits of the Spirit, which is that's one of the things I've talked about, how almost every time I have to give a message, I feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over and over, because the last one was fruits of the Spirit. So, let's say those fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So I think those, if you are dressed with Christ, those are the things, some of the things, that you are going to be exhibiting. So thank you for not letting me just stand up there. <coughs>
as you said, we will act out of love. We will show humility. We'll speak out of love. We will put aside sin and the desires of the flesh and strive to be like Jesus. Fred Buchner tells a story about a man who was born with an awful facial deformity. He grew up alone and lonely. When, he, when reaching adulthood, he decided to move from his town to a new town and begin a new life. On his way, he discovered a beautiful mask that fit his face, making him look handsome. At first, the mask was uncomfortable, and he was afraid that people would find out who he really was, but he continued to wear the mask every day. In his new hometown, he made many friends and fell in love. But one day, a wicked woman from his old hometown came to his new town and discovered the man's true identity. In front of his friends and his fiancée, she forced him to remove his mask. When he removed the mask, it revealed a handsome face. His face had conformed to the mask. <clears throat> James Scott Jr. writes, becoming like Christ is analogous to this. Go ahead and put on Christ. At first, it may be feel unnatural or uncomfortable. And maybe you think, who am I trying to fool? But every day, just keep putting on Christ. And every day, you will grow to look more like him. Every day, we are to put on Christ. And when we do, the Holy Spirit works at transforming us to be more and more like Jesus. So this Advent season, I encourage you to think of areas in your life, your church, your workplace, or your community where you can bring restoration. Consciously choose to do something this Advent season to keep your focus on Jesus, whose birth we are celebrating. Clothe yourself with Christ so that you exhibit Christ-like characteristics and actions. Watch and be prepared for Jesus' return. Can you stand with me for prayer? And then Lynn's going to come up and lead us in a sending song. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us to the, the ability to change. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us your Holy Spirit who can work in us and through us to help us be more like Christ. Lord, help us to use this visual example of our clothing when we get dressed every morning. May we think to clothe ourselves with Christ, with love, with righteousness. Just be with us as we go out through this week, as we go out through this season of Advent. Help us, Lord, to find time in our days, in our weeks, to focus on the incredible gift that you gave us in Jesus. And Lord, help us to be ready for when Jesus returns. We ask all this in his precious name. Amen. <clears throat>